Hello and welcome to Series 4, Episode 1 of the Stress Sessions podcast. This is the first episode I've recorded in about six months, so it's taken me a little bit of time to get used to like the, the camera, being on webcam again to somebody that I don't know, speaking to somebody that I don't know, and if you've listened to this before, you'll know that I'm notoriously not very good at speaking to people. But it all went well, it was good, it was a great chat. But going slightly off topic a little bit, I've done a few little bits for my own mental health this week. So, for instance, I bought, it sounds ridiculous, but I bought a container for my medication. So, I sometimes forget to take my medication on a day-to-day basis, which I know is bad for me. And I know that if you skip a day when you're taking um, a medication for your mental illness, it is not good. It can change your mood, it can change your hormones, it can change the way you act, and it, it can stop you from being yourself and how you act towards other people but I bought a um, a little container that has the days of the week on them so that I remember to take my medication so I just pop that next to my desk so when I go and start working it's just there ready for me to take my medication it's it's good it's helped so far and I've actually not forgotten so that is a little tip for people that take their medication that sometimes forget because it's easy to do isn't it it's been a pretty busy week so far I recorded the first podcast that you're just about to listen to went into the office don't do that much anymore do we but it was good it's nice to chat to people that you don't see that much and see your work colleagues been to London um, had a great day out in London yesterday with my wife um, went to a really nice Italian restaurant that we booked a while back for her Christmas present and then we went to see the Book of Mormon and it was great it's so funny and if you haven't seen it already then make sure you go and give that a watch because it's it's hilarious. It's it's probably the best show that I've seen in London before. So, yeah, very, very good. But, yeah, been busy. But one thing that I've learned today and, well, when, I've, when I was editing this podcast, really, just to take some time out for yourself, take some time to chill and don't kind of overdo it when it comes to making plans because you can sometimes plan too much into your week, into your month. And that, in well, in turn, just isn't very good for your mental health. And, and you can just end up being in a bit of a bad state and I've I've had that happen to me a few times where I've kind of overbooked myself with mates or made plans to go and do stuff and you just get really tired out really fatigued and it just yeah overall it doesn't help your mental health so try and avoid that I've learned that (laughs) in the hard way well moving on to the podcast this week's stress session I am talking to the amazing Stu Whiffin who is the owner of Pod Bible Magazine, presenter of the Off the Beat and Track podcast and co-host of the MMA Fan Podcast and this one's an absolute cracker because like me Stu is well into his music so we reflect a lot on how it can affect your mental health, how it can make you feel, how it can give you those highs and sometimes even those lows but that kind of raw emotion that music brings when you listen to it but let me stop rambling on I know you want to listen to it so here you go hits episode four series one of the stress sessions with Stu Whiffin so hello to the stress session Stu Whiffin how's it going I'm all good thank you Luke it's an absolute pleasure to be on here and and, and chatting to you man no, thanks for coming. It's a pleasure, and um, yeah, keen follower of the Off the Beaten Track podcast. It's, it's, a, it's oh, a very thanks, good one. man. The first question before we get into anything deep is: mm-hmm. Is there one song in particular in your life that really puts you in a really happy, positive mood? It can be inspirational. It can kind of get you up and dancing. Or is there anything like that that is your favourite song? 
uh, it's not my favourite song of all time because I'm quite a fan of of, of sombre music. Um, but a song that will always put a smile on my face and make me want to dance is something that I guess for somebody who's an absolute music nerd that you know whose whose biggest passion is is music and uh, it's quite strange that the song that always gives me absolute joy is by Jermaine Stewart and it's we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time uh it's an absolute 80s pop gem and it's just it's 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 daft and it's just about having a good time and it's super up loads of energy to it and it's this I don't read into the lyrics I just love the fact that it's just it's just joyous and it's just a good time song and it's racked with nostalgia for me it reminds me of sort of school birthday parties and, and stuff like that and leave us discos when I was at junior school and going to senior school and yeah uh, I'm, I'm I love nostalgia it's, it's something that that I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with and certainly when, when it involves music hence the the, the, the podcast and, and and the various podcasts I do always tinged with looking backwards um as well as obviously moving forwards whilst doing that um but yeah Jermaine Stewart we don't have to take our clothes off to have a good time do, do you know what I did not expect that at all that's kind of like <laughs> um, that's come out of nowhere that has I was expecting you to be like oh a Blur song or an Oasis song or a Beatles yeah. song but no f- fair play that's that's a great choice great pure choice. pop pure pop going back to like your the, the whole music nerd thing does I get music obviously has a massive, massive impact on your life. Is does that kind of does music make you feel different emotions? So when when you're looking at stuff from like a, a, a mental perspective, for me, I can play a certain song. Like I can't think of one off the top of my head, but if I play like, for instance, Rage Against the Machine, it brings brings back going to see their Friendsbury Park gig about sort of ten odd years ago, and it's like it's amazing or for instance like the prodigy um crowd surfing to keith flint and seeing them at the the bricks and academy like i get such like such a buzz just off of those memories is that the same with you do you kind of get a lot of kind of emotion from your music that you listen to yeah a hundred percent you know it's 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 all pure emotion and you know my my i I come from like my my job that's been my job for 30 years is i run nightclubs and and I run alternative nightclubs and um, the fact that that gig that you mentioned, that Rage Against the Machine show at Finsbury Park, that wouldn't have happened unless my friend John Mortar, who was a regular at my club, heard that song in my club for the first time and it resonated with him. Fast forward 25 years, he then starts a campaign on Facebook to get it to the Christmas number one, which it then, Rage hadn't done anything for years, then they get a number one and they come to the UK and John introduces them on stage and gives them their big check. And, and that all kind of grew through, through John coming to my club. And to this day, that record gets played in my club every weekend and has done since the day it come out and killing in the name still sounds as vital, as fresh, as angry uh, as it, as it always has. And it's, it's, it's an incredible record. And I live in Essex and for me, the prodigy, I'm fiercely proud of of the music that comes from Essex, you know, um, for so many reasons. You know, Scroobius Pip's an incredible musician from from Essex. You know, he's been my business partner. He's the, he's the reason that I got into podcasting. Um, electronic music is, is something that 
a lot of a lot of guitar purists would kind of frown upon it and you know call people ravers and whatever and and the prodigy broke down those barriers they took the they took the rave to the rock and and all of a sudden they're headlining download they're headlining like rock festivals and indie festivals and seeing the prodigy when fat of the land came out do their homecoming gig at, at, at the v festival in their back garden in chumpsford uh was still one of the most incredible things i've ever seen hearing them play poison uh at that show is, is sonically and and i've never i've never felt so connected to a crowd of people in unison bouncing as i did at that moment and yeah music music's everything it it, it really is and from you know from it taking you back to uh, and, and part of off the beaten track is i often ask people to sort of go back and, and the second question i always ask them is what is the song that you first had an emotional response to and and that's the question that kind of then opens the floodgates for the podcast it's just easy then you know once they they give a bit of themselves and go look they, this is what happened and invariably it will be this was only my parents car going on holidays we hear it in my parents car and it takes you back straight away to those moments and I think that's the one of the beautiful things about music you know you can you'll have a song that will forever be that song when you first had your heart broken you know and it might take a few years before you can listen to it again you have those songs that you know that that remind you of you know being in your mates' bedrooms and and you know being teenagers and being lads and and you have those you know those first memories of going clubbing and and none of these things have to be cool and you know you're meant to look back and and there should never be a guilty pleasure a pleasure is a pleasure and you should never ever feel guilty about hearing a record that might be I don't know you might have had your first dance at a leave us disco to fucking boy zone and like <laughs> yeah on paper they're not the cool you know most credible band but that song will be racked with emotion and memories for you and you should always in you know embrace and indulge that yeah i, I remember so my, the the first gig that i ever went to which it, it sounds so crap is um lamar do you remember lamar i've had him on off the beaten track oh no hang on yeah not lamar you're, you're not talking about no Lamar, Lamar from that, that was on the Lamar. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he's on the um, Fame Academy and right. I went with my with my parents and my sisters that I think I must have been about oh not nine or ten and I came yeah. back I, I told all the kids in my class oh, I'm going to a gig I'm going to a gig they're like oh you going to see Lamar and it's like oh but no <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not cool but that, like it always comes back to me because that's my first gig and it's um yeah, it's, it was a good gig as well, and he was a great singer. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Like, and these, these are formative moments in your life, and yeah, you're not expected to be caught at that age. You know, are you expected to be caught at any age? I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not. And <laughs> and I think it's, it's yeah. I always just look with absolute fondness for for anything like that. And you know, whether whether the chin scratches think it's cool or not, I don't give a fuck. It's like it's my happy memories. Sorry, I've just swore on your podcast. Is that all right? No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, swear oh, away, oh, mate. Oh. <laughs> is so turning your question back to yourself. Then, what is your kind of most emotive song that that you go to or you listen to or the first memory that you had of music? Uh, one of the first really strong emotions I remember. I don't know if you know a song. Um, called drive by a band called the cars uh and it's just this really beautiful slow record that, that and it's and the chorus is like who's going to drive you home tonight uh it's a very iconic sort of 80s 
80s record. Um, and I've since found out it's about mental health, actually. Um, and I didn't know that at the time, but just how that song was put together. And, and it was used in, um, in 19, when was Live Aid? 1984, was it Live Aid? 1985. 85, yeah, 85. sure it yeah, was. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember being with my mum and dad at my aunt and uncle's house and, and watching Live Aid. And so I'm 48, so in 85, I was 12. Uh, and I remember sitting there watching it and, and, and seeing all of these huge pop stars and, and the, the coverage was switching from Wembley to, to, to the, what was going on on the stage in the States and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I didn't know really what was good from bad. I was just seeing all the biggest bands at the time and some other bands that I guess in hindsight, I probably wish I would have been like, Oh, they're really good. But I was like, who are the style cancel? Like, I didn't know who Paul Weller was then, but there was a moment where um, David Bowie introduced this really, and, and it's become very iconic footage of of the famine, and and they played that track. Uh, I've, I've literally just got goosebumps saying that. Um, and I just remember seeing my mum and my aunt like sobbing, like watching this, and 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 I was crying because I was seeing these, you know, these starving children and starving, you know, starving people. Uh, we and it was and it was soundtracked by this really evocative and 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 this song that just seemed to just cry with with like longing and 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 desperation and and it and it was just the first time I think I'd I'd kind of maybe equate you know had that connection between like a, a, a visual and and a and a and an audio and and just you know I've probably seen plenty of music videos before then but nothing as powerful as that and I just remember just a really strong memory I'm sure there was loads of songs that probably made me feel a little somber before that that but I can't recall anything as powerful other than than that when I was 12 and and yeah it's uh it's a it's still to this day I think it's an incredible piece of music and yeah and if you've uh if you're not familiar with it I urge you to check it um afterwards and if you uh, and if you like Rage Against the Machine and heavy stuff, the Deftones do a really good cover of it as well. When I've listened to your podcast, you're you're very open, you're very honest, and you you're not afraid to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Does does being that open and just chatting help your mental health? Um, I, I imagine so. I mean, it's I guess it's good to talk, right? Um, and I, I think you know we should always be advocating that. And I'm I'm lucky that. Um, the the people that I do my podcast with, um, the aforementioned Scribius Pip and uh, and and Chris, who I do my hardcore listing podcast with, and um, and I do another, I do a podcast called Acceptable in the Eighties, which I do with the the the, the one man comedy um, musician called Cunt and the Gang, and he's been my best friend for forty years, and so you know we've we've recently started a podcast where we go back forty years to the to the month and talk about that month and talk about the things we were doing and, and what was going on with music and film and things like that. And, uh, and I'm lucky to have people like that, that, that are around me that have always just been really open. I've never, you know, growing up in the eighties at, at home, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily, it, I had a, a very lovely upbringing. Uh, I had very hardworking parents, very working class, 
you know, uh, was born in a, a very poor area called Tilbury. Um, and my dad was quite aspirational and, uh, and, and, and that, that really resonated with me and, and inspired me. And, and I think because there was, you know, everyone was working and everybody was, was, was doing their thing. I never had that kind of home life where I could go home and, 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 and talk openly to my parents but I don't know how many children do I think you know that's a lot of things are, are what your friends are for if you're lucky to have you know friends that you can talk openly to and, and I think from a very young age I chose you know a, a, a more kind of I was never going to be the the jock sporty kid I was always going to be the kind of the the nerdy you know alternative kid and 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 that and I think if you choose that that road to go down it's sometimes a lot easier to to kind of talk about things to your pals, uh, and and I think you know if you're very much a kind of uh, alpha male in a very male heavy environment. I'm talking you know football culture and you know and and and, and thinking you know working on building sites and things like that, which I've spent many years doing um, working on building sites. Things are changing now, thankfully, but there, there was definitely times that I, I worked for them where you could tell that people were, were having a really hard time and and couldn't just, just didn't have it in them to to admit that there was something wrong and that they were feeling unhappy and you know that the, the culture was and unfortunately it it was part of that time that whole thing of oh, fucking man up and like go and have a beer yeah yeah and thankfully you know so many people have moved past that now and i'm sure it still exists in, in many many areas and 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 i think we've seen over recent years so many more sort of campaigns to to push and and, and to get everybody talking and i think that can never be stressed enough and yeah it's definitely something i've, I've been really lucky um I've, I've, in, in regards to my mental health i've, I've, I've touched wood like i um i uh growing up I'd never really thought about it until now, but I was kind of like a, a tubby kid. Um, you know, I, I was still quite sporty, I guess, um, but I, I was, you know, always very conscious of my weight uh, when I got to senior school. And then by the time I left senior school, I developed um, an eating disorder, which is uh, which is quite a strange strange uh when i think about it now it still sort of blows my mind um but there wasn't i'd never heard of um bulimia you know it was all about anorexia where you don't eat and mm. uh but but yeah i was eating but i was then throwing up and i didn't you know that was just what supermodels and you know women done that like men didn't and so i would generally I guess that was the the first time really that, and at the time I, I seen nothing wrong with it. It made loads of sense, you know. The the, the weight dropped off, um, and all of a sudden, you know, I'd, I'd kind of started getting into DJing in nightclubs, and my band was doing okay, and and I was getting interest from girls, and I was like, this is great, and all I have to do is just kind of stick my fingers down my throat, and and I can maintain this, and obviously you you can't maintain that. You'll fuck yourself up. Uh, and, 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 and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly no expert on this matter at all. I'm far from it, far from it. Um, I've never really gone back and thought about it too much. I've never really looked into it. Um, 
I'm glad that eating disorders are something that are far more openly discussed. And certainly that the, the men have eating disorders is, is far more openly discussed now. But for me, I, I just remember thinking, uh, you know, yeah, I'll just, and, and, and it become that sort of, you know, three times, four times a day. And it was like, and I got, and I got, you know, I'm not proud of this, but I got really good at like hiding it and covering it. And because I didn't want my parents to know. And my, my friends had seen me, like, if we'd gone out, like, and we'd, you know, we'd grab a takeaway, then I'd make a joke if we'd had a few drinks that, like, you know, oh, I was, yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, they ain't, that's just disagreed with me. And, I'd, you know, I'd go and throw up. And and in hindsight, I don't think any of my friends then ever just kind of went, everything all right. Like, you're being sick mm-hmm. a lot. And, like, because... I don't know. I just it wasn't a, a thing. Eating disorders weren't a thing back then. This was the early nineties, uh, and and yeah, and then it just stopped. It just I just kind of stopped doing it, and uh, and I don't know why. Um, I'm, I'm I'm glad I did, obviously, but it just sort of stopped happening. And it was only really when I was I was doing a, a podcast like a few um, with um, a, a body positive model. Uh, and she was talking about eating disorders and she just kept sort of saying, and then the thing is, because most women and I, and, and I just sort of then was like, well, no, I'm, I'm, men do. And then and I think that's the first time I'd really spoke about it. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I never speak about it. And, you know, I don't particularly want my children knowing that, that, you know, that was something that, that I went through because, you know, more so than ever, you know, that the, the the body shaming and the, the 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 kind of pressure on on young people to have these insta insta bodies and have all of, I don't even have insta bodies to think I'm sounding like an old man now <laughs> but but have, having these you know th- this look is is so so you know it must must bear so heavy on them and and yeah but it's, you know I, I guess one thing that I've, I can take from that is that I, I definitely know the signs to look out for when people are doing what I'd done and and I'd be the first to to talk about it with them 100% and and so yeah I guess in, in those early 90s that was I guess that's definitely mental illness 110% but mm. I still never really reflect back on it and and if people say like how's your mental health like I always say I'm really lucky um but that has changed recently and uh but but yeah I I I, I do think that was a a moment that when I do actually stop and I try not to think about it too much, but when I do think about it, yeah, it, it, it won't, it was a, yeah, it was a pretty sad time that I was that desperate to, to look a certain way. I've, I've, I really appreciate you talking about it, mate, because it's, it's, it's a difficult topic, isn't it? It's a, especially for blokes. It's like you said, it's eating disorders are usually stuff that, you see so for for instance like you said like models and people on the catwalk and that's kind of what you think of immediately when you think oh anorexia somebody that's just not eating because they want to get stick thin and it's like you don't really look at blokes kind of having an eating disorder going back to what you said when when you were down the pub with your mates and you said oh this hasn't agreed with me this this pint I've drunk isn't then you just go and stick your fingers down your throat they probably thought, oh, he's just a lightweight. And 
it's again that's the kind of like laddie culture isn't it that that a lot of people really go through that they just think oh it's just a lightweight he's all right but i think that you'd hope that people would now be like oh he's he does this quite a lot um yeah and kind of clock onto it and go oh you're right mate like what is, is anything going on like do you need any help or anything like that and what what would you have done if somebody would have questioned it part of me thinks i would have laughed it off part of me would have probably burst into tears and just yeah and just explained the the pressure i felt to not be overweight like because you you wouldn't do that unless you had a very low opinion of 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 yourself and mm. and i think you know i've i've my weight goes up and down to this day and and there's times that you know that i just think you know we've all put some timber on over lockdown it's just you know it's what happens but um but yeah i i it, I, I do find that now i'm a little bit more kind of comfortable with who i am um I, you know, i'm not completely comfortable i don't you know I, I don't think anyone ever truly is but yeah i think i'd, I'd probably have definitely if somebody would have sort of said like what's going on i think i probably would have it all would have come out and i would have no pun intended there like i, I would have would have spoken to them and, and explained what was going on and you know i'm sure there was no support groups and things for men with eating disorders in the early 90s and if there was you'd probably have to search high and low to find one whereas i'm sure now you could google and, and find so many so many sort of like-minded people and and people that are there to help uh, and, and I'll say now that if anybody is listening to this that um, has a, a very strange relationship with food and, and, and they've heard any similarities in what they're doing uh, to, 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 to what I was doing then, then I would definitely just speak to someone and, uh, yeah, you know, just reach out to people. I'm, I'm on social media. If you want to just drop me a message as well, then feel free to do that. But, yeah, like... Um, there, there, there must be so many support groups available now. Um, I haven't looked because I haven't needed to look. Um, I don't know. That's a bit selfish, but but yeah, I'm sure there's 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 so much more infrastructure there now. But uh, it didn't feel like there was then, and it, and it was a bit of a lonely thing, and it was a very personal, private thing. Um, and yeah, and I've never really sort of spoke to my pals about it in hindsight, really. No, I, I really appreciate you you talking about it, mate, because it's it's hard. Like. I, I, I've I wouldn't know what it's like because I've never had or as far as I'm aware I haven't had an eating disorder but when, mm. when it comes to speaking about shit that you've been through in the past and um dark darker periods of your life it's 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 hard having those conversations um mm. but so I, I do really appreciate you opening up and um talking about it because it's it's shit <laughs> yeah I mean you know and, and uh, I'm, I'm fine now um but yeah, I, I always just think it's something that if if I'm ever asked about mental health, then depression can, I, I guess, manifest in, in many different ways. And, and, you know, when you're mentally unwell, it, it can present itself in many different ways. And and I think people will lean on all manner of things, whether that be, you know, alcohol, uh, drugs um, and, and, and food and people's relationship with food is, is, is crazy. And yeah and I've, like i say it's uh i'm always happy to 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 talk openly about that because if 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 one person is it and just goes 
oh shit, yeah, I'm doing that. Like, and and speaks to their power about it, and then job done. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly what this is for. Because if it helps one person or twigs one person, that's amazing. Like, amazing. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that makes you particularly anxious, and you think, oh, I don't want to do that? And it kind of puts you into a bit of a fluster. It's going to sound really weird because I've run a nightclub for thirty years. Um, I don't really like. I, I don't really like being in nightclubs, which sounds crazy because okay. it's been my job. Um, but if I'm in a nightclub and I'm working, I'm in control. Uh, and whether I'm the licensee or the promoter or the DJ, I have a purpose to be there. Uh, I have no place in a nightclub at 48 years of age anyway, other than working. But um, sometimes if, if you know, I'm out and I, I went, to, I'll give you an example. I went to Ibiza. Um, I'd never been to Ibiza. And as somebody that's whole life has been revolved around music and clubs as, as a living and, and as a passion, that it felt bizarre that I'd never gone to the holy grail of, of club land and, and, and Ibiza. Um, and I went with with, 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 with a, you know, a group of people and, you know, I was good friends with, with, with several of them. Uh, and I, I just was so out of my comfort zone um, and so uncomfortable. Um, again, I felt old. Um, the weight presented itself as an issue to me then. Um, I felt out of shape. I was constantly surrounded by, you know, I probably would have been about 43 at the time and surrounded by thousands of 20-year-old men with six-packs and tanned bodies and very, very good haircuts and and such. And 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 it was just a culture that, and a side of clubbing that I'm not interested in. You know, I, I choose the path that I, I work in because I'm more about the underdog. I champion the kind of, the weird and wonderful, you know, not the, not what I was exposed to there. I wanted, I wanted a really bohemian experience. I wanted to see something beautiful and Balearic on this island. And what I got was a jumping Jack's nightclub in the sun. And I went to the Mecca. I went to space for Colcocks. I thought it was just terrible, like so bad. Um, I hated every every second of, of being in there. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of drugs. Uh, I've been lucky that most of the people that I have been my nearest and dearest um, are interesting enough that they don't feel the need to um, boost their confidence through drugs um and so yeah i i i it just was something that i felt really flustered not flustered just like i was just really disappointed in it um and and i felt like i was out of my comfort zone because i was in these clubs and i was surrounded by people that i wouldn't normally surround myself with listening to music that i wouldn't never choose to listen to um and yeah, just the culture of go out, get drugs, get high, then pay insane amounts of money to go to a club and then 
and I'm certainly not, you know, tight with my money. I will spend whatever it takes for me to have a, a nice time because I work hard to, to to put myself in that position. But yeah, I just I don't want to pay fifteen euros for a bottle of fucking water and listening <laughs> to someone playing minimal techno whilst there's just random people just calling me bruv. Um, not in a particularly affectionate way either. Um, yeah, it, that was that was a time, and it's so weird because the rest of my 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 days in nightclubs and continue to this day. You know, every weekend I work in a nightclub. Um, I'm comfortable because I have a purpose to be there. I'm in control of that situation. But yeah, being on the other side of it, I don't enjoy it, and it's been really interesting. I ask all my guests on um, off the beaten track. Uh, about the song that soundtrack the years club in and i've i've interviewed probably 370 I, I guess you could say established or famous musicians actors djs producers and i would say 90 percent of them say i didn't really go clubbing don't really enjoy clubbing because they're creating they don't need to go and they're they're, they're putting together the stuff that makes that happen and, and i get far more joy out of facilitating a party rather than going to a party so i know that and i and, and i'm i'm not a misery i don't go out and and with my friends and i'm like oh fucking hell that's that's certainly not me like i love going out with my pals and having a good time but i've got to admit when i was in ibiza i had to dig deep to have a good time and there was times when it was written all over my face that this is not fucking fun man uh and it was just not what i expected i wanted something really really fucking bohemian and it was just yeah just just what you get in every high street nightclub really in the sun i was really disappointed <laughs> there you go i've said a rant about <laughs> ibiza again so I, i've never been to ibiza before so i no, i don't, I don't know. bother man <laughs> it's go really scary park and jump around and rage against the machine you have way more fun but with with your whole ibiza thing i think it's one of those situations where you You've, you've probably built up in your head so much you're like oh, i'm gonna have a fucking amazing time it's gonna be amazing it's it's gonna be great and you get it and it's like oh i should have just gone down weatherspoons <laughs> mate i could have gone to fucking basildon for it i really could have <laughs> like, i reckon if i would have gone to like basildon in the summer uh like it was just fucking v festival it was just v festival in like later era v festival uh but yeah, but I had to get on a fucking aeroplane to go there. Like, yeah. <laughs> Anyone that enjoys our beefer, I'm really glad you have a good time there. But it's just like it's just not my bag. And like, I'm sure there's other things that that, that I enjoy that you won't. But yeah, you ask me, man. Like, what what flusters me? That was the last time I was properly flustered. And it's weird because I'm, you know, I do see myself as quite a quite a confident person. You know, I'm all of my, you know, I've been a singer in a band of you know i've always been a club promoter and a dj and and i've always put myself in weird situations you know a box and and tie box and all of these are very all of these are situations that uh, will probably maybe take some people out of their comfort zones and and I, and I like a challenge you know i like to push myself and and and, and I, you know, like I mentioned, you know, some of the people that I've had on the podcast, it's like, I'm fans of these people. I'm nervous. And, but it's like, just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. Like, what's the worst that's ever going to happen? Um, it's never going to be worse than Cold Cox at, at Space. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. 
Oh dear. I remember it's, it's going back a few years, but so one of my wife's friends got married and I was invited on the guy's stag do because I was quite good friends with him at the time. Um, <laughs> and it, and his, on his stag do, he was out of going to Ibiza or Vegas. And I was like, oh, I fucking love Vegas. I'll be all over that all day. Like I've, I've been, I've only been there once, but it was, I, I want to go back. And then I was like, right, if it's Vegas, I'll, I'll save the money up and I'll go. Like, I have a great time. And then it's like, oh, we're going to our beef. I was like, nope, left the WhatsApp group. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact it's all based that. around, not your friendship, just the destination. Mate, I'll be the same. <laughs> if someone said their stag do is our beef, I'd be like, oh, man, look, I'll get you a nice present. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't be on that flight. Sorry, dude. <laughs> all right. Yeah, not for me. Vegas is cool, isn't it, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I went on my um, honeymoon, so it's a little oh, bit amazing. different for me. But um, it was, it, yeah. I mean, go, <laughs> again, going back to your Carl Cox story, we um, we went to Hackersan and saw Calvin Harris, and we met some friends there from uni because they were doing like a tour of uh, the US at the time. And we met up there, and they got him for free because they were staying in the same hotel as Hackersan. And I got there, and I was like, I really like Calvin Harris. But I don't want to be in this club play, paying like $20 for a bottle of shit beer and just like being packed in like sardines. I was like, not my thing anymore. And that, at that point, yeah. I was like, I'm getting old. I'm getting old here. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine, man. That's fine. And and I think it's it's better to be aware that, do you know what? I'm not enjoying this and not force it. Because if you force it, you can have even more of a fucking bad time. You know, the people you're with, if you go, right, look, I'm going to slide because, like, you know, you're clearly having a fucking great time here. I'm not. Uh, I'm going to shoot, have a fucking blinder, but uh, I'm going to go and, like, get some food and go and watch TV in bed. And, like, and, and I think it's absolutely fine to do that. I mean, I mean, I don't go out anywhere near as much as I used to, but I'm certainly comfortable now in when I've had enough. It's like, right, cool. Uh, I don't need to pretend I'm 18 and go, right, well, I'm I'm not going to be the... I'll, I need to be the last man standing here. Or, like, are we going to a club? Yeah, fucking great. Because I think all the time you... And, and, and I've definitely had that in my past where I, I guess maybe if there's an element of, of unhappiness where you're constantly searching for something, whether it's, you know, to, to, to meet a partner or I don't know what, but you you get to the point where sometimes, you know, you've, you've had enough to drink and by pushing further on and going, right, where are we going now? And he's like, well, it's three in the morning, probably go home and go to bed. No, no, is there an after party? Are we going to go on someone's house? It's like, what are you looking for? Like, and is, and does it ever present itself? Probably not. Like, mm. uh, and, and yeah, I, I definitely made my peace with that kind of thing many years ago, probably later than a lot of people because of the nature of my job. But uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to just go. Oh, you know what? I'm uh, I'm going home, going to bed. See you later. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Bed's good. No, I, I, I. Do you know what? I I don't get anywhere enough enough sleep as what I should do. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so on on that topic. Is is there anything that you used to do in your past that you stopped doing? Not including the whole clubbing scene that you used to do that you stopped doing because of your mental health I, I guess no, pro, no probably not Luke like I, I stopped doing a like I gave up the the dream to be a, a rock star at the turn of the millennium 
and and I gave that 110%, you know, like, you know, I had a record deal and toured and toured and toured and, and had a blast. And I was the guy in the band that was the driven one. I was the organiser. I was, the, you know, the, the the driving force in the band. And and that become tiresome when you, you realise that you're the one that, I, I don't necessarily think wants it more than the others, but I was prepared to go to extra yard and, and take the reins and, and drive the bus or organise the practice and, and always be that guy kind of that, that seemed to be maybe more desperate than the others. Uh, and, and I think like when it got to the end of, uh, uh, when it got to the turn of the millennium, I'd kind of realised that, right, I've done the best I can do in this field. You know, I've, I, I got into this not to be a global fucking megastar. I got into it for, for some really basic things. I wanted to write a song that got played on the radio. I wanted to go on the television once and perform it. Uh, and I wanted to get in a tiny little van and travel around the country and play shows to, if it was two men and a dog, that was cool. Uh, thankfully, their expectations were relatively low um, in the grand scheme of, of the music industry, but they were ample for me. And I got on the radio and I got on this kids' TV show singing this, our songs. Uh, and, and, and yeah, got in a Renault traffic and spent four years driving around half-empty venues, playing their songs, having the best possible time ever. But I knew that I gave that 110%. And and I think if I was to continue to push that and try and take the rest of the band on this quest, it would have been unfair on them if they were trying to, you know, to do other things. And it would have been even more unfair probably on my mental health by trying to make people do what they don't want to do. Uh, and, and trying to kind of constantly go, no, 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 it'd be good, it'd be good, let's let, let's try this, let's try this, and then we're going to do this gig. And it's like, ultimately, you just, you, you can't sustain that. And uh, and so, yeah, I kind of quit that at the millennium. And and it's really weird that we're recording this the night after the Brits, because I've got friends that I saw on social media today were like, fucking Brits, what a load of shit. Like, oh, what was that fucking bollocks on there? And it's like, you've just got older like yeah and and that that music isn't speaking to you the way that them bands spoke to you you know the bands that when it spoke to you 30 years ago 20 years ago and like of course they shouldn't like they you know that music should be for excitable young people that that are getting what we got from rage against the machine out of that yes on the face of it maybe adele and a cheer and that aren't that fucking punk rock and they're a bit bland but there's people being emotionally moved by that music and and and, and finding memories and, uh, and and relating to it. So it's it's all a positive. But I think I know so many former musicians that can't put their past to bed and feel like they should have and could have. Whereas I just felt like oh I just gave it my best shot. So right that's that done. And when I look back now, that nostalgia is beautiful. And it's like, I had the best time, but just wasn't never going to be the next level. And so just make your peace with that. And, and yeah, and, and move forward onto the next thing. And you've put your drive into other shit and look at you now. So amazing. Well, I've just, I've, I've just, uh, yeah, that's, that's really kind of you to say, Luke. And, but yeah, I've, I've just thrown myself into the, I guess the club promoting and, uh, and, and podcasting and and but they're all happy accidents you know they all sort of you know you find the next thing and it, and if you feel passion for it and uh, then then I think if you you enjoy what you do 
and I understand that there's so many people that are maybe listening to this job, that listening to this podcast that don't like their job. And and it's easy to go, well, get another one. But it, it doesn't work like that. There's security right. and there's, you know, the comfort of knowing that your bills are paid and, and things like that. And, you know, and, and there is something that to be said for working for yourself, which I've always done. I've always kind of tried to carve out a career in whatever it whether it be DJing, promoting bands and 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 all of the things that are really ridiculously fucking competitive markets. And ultimately at 48 years of age, I find myself still spinning plates between doing clubs, podcasts, you know, and 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 pod viable and things like that, just to kind of pay the bills and make everything happen because these are competitive industries and they're young people's industries as well. And and so yeah, I'm just sort of yeah, trying to keep my head above water and 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 yeah, after and and remain being able to to do my own thing and and I'm yeah and I'm, at the moment I feel really lucky and blessed to be able to do that. What would you say is your happiest place in the world and why is that? My happiest place in the world is in the middle of a boxing ring, a hundred and ten percent. And the reason uh, for that uh, is it's, it's Thai boxing I do. It's, it's Muay Thai, um, and I I discovered it maybe twelve years ago. I'd always been obsessed with boxing uh, and, and martial arts and I'd, I'd, I'd done bits and pieces as a kid, like karate and boxing and stuff. And, and then hadn't done anything for a few years and, and, and discovered Thai boxing uh, and just fell in love with it. I, I went into a gym that was run by people that I was always terrified of. There was a big, big kind of um, notoriety around uh, the gym owners and stuff and I just thought oh I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get thrown in the ring and and to see what I've got and I'm going to come out of there in pieces black and blue and I walked into this new family that were just the most welcoming respectful kind um, people that have just been fucking amazing and and whatever I do I've, I've always tried to go running and things like that when I go running I have to listen to music to distract myself because sometimes you don't want to be alone with your own thoughts for you know an hour because you can kind of get yourself low or you can think about work and get stressed um and I can watch tv but I'm definitely guilty of hearing that kind of beep 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 and it's like oh pick my phone up and like and then before you know it I'm back engrossed in something and and don't get me wrong I'm I'm, I'm lucky that you know I've, I've been able to spend you know so many years you know with my kids growing up and stuff and and then I like you know they're little adults and well they're adults and and so that's 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 always nice just kind of chatting with them now as as adults it's it's mad um but there's always you know whatever I'm doing if I'm at work or if I'm recording a podcast uh or running the club there's always if I'm running the club what's going on what's I need to be aware of every single situation and, and there's responsibility and stress that comes with that because it's a job and the same with podcasts if I'm hosting a podcast I want to do the best I can do at that and you know and I, and I need to ensure that that conversation's flowing and I've got my, my questions ready and 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 so like all of that sort of stuff is is brilliant and I enjoy it but there's still stress and uh distraction uh and, and and lack of you know and sorry and yeah and and, and distraction into i think to think about things the minute i get in a boxing ring whether i'm just hitting pads or i'm sparring the minute that buzzer goes 
I can't think about anything else because ultimately you're going to get a whack around the head. Uh, and at 48 years of age, you don't want one of them. <laughs> um, you don't want one of them anyway. But um, but I just I come out of the boxing club and I try and I try and go most mornings, um, even if it's just to kind of hit the bag for a bit. Um, and I just feel like that that's my therapy because I, I don't think about anything else. I just think about what's in front of me. And ultimately, you're whacking pads, or you're you know obviously you're not trying to hurt anyone when you're sparring, but but any aggression, pent up frustration, it's gone, it's gone, and it's I can't encourage people enough to not to 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 to, to go and explore, you know, a combat sport and 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 go because you will find a, a wonderful family there, whether. You know, we've seen a huge evolution in mixed martial arts and it's, you know, it's a huge passion of mine. I have a podcast about it um, and I'm watching that grow. And, you know, you've seen superstars like Conor McGregor, you know, how many martial artists were famous? None, really. You know, mm. Van Damme, Bruce Lee, but they were movie stars. You know, he's a martial artist, a legit superstar, the highest earning sports person in the in the world come from mixed martial arts you know he's he's making more money than you know these uh footballers and so it's it's definitely kind of rose that you know has definitely seen huge growth in in combat sports and and honestly it's 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 amazing the, the respect you feel the confidence you get uh obviously the fitness and and yeah just the, the camaraderie and uh, I, I can't recommend it enough i really can't and yeah, that's my that's my kind of place where uh, I'm happiest. I'm gonna have to try something like that out because I've never done any kind of sort of contact sports ever. I'm I'm a run, I like running and I play football from time to time, but that's about it. I don't. Yeah. Um, it's always scared me that I'm gonna get hit. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't because you won't. Like in time, you're 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 you know you won't be spying for a long long time. And then, but when you do, you'll be sparring with someone that'll be exactly the same as you, and you just find your, yeah, it's it's lovely, man. It's like, it, and then the minute you finish that spar, you know, you have a hug, you have a high five, and it's like, and then you just there's zero animosity. It's like, oh, it's it's, it, yeah, absolutely changed changed my life completely. You mentioned the last two years at the, at the beginning when we were talking. How has that impacted your life? And I guess for for a period, it might have taken away that opportunity to go and sort of get out and get to the gym and go box and stuff. How how did that affect you? Hugely, both both good and bad. So it, the club shut, the club shut, and and we knew that we was going to be one of the first things to shut, and certainly going to be one of the last things to to reopen um, because we're a great big sweaty room that's full up with people, and uh, and that's not necessarily what you know, what's good for a pandemic. Um, and so I had to kind of make my peace that that wasn't going to be presenting itself. Obviously, in the first couple of weeks, I thought, oh, well, this will be done in a month, then uh, we'll get this back <laughs> yeah. open. And, and like we all did, you know, went on holiday for a, a couple of weeks in the front room, drinking every day, just thinking, oh, this is great, bit of time off work. And and then obviously, we started to realise that this was going to be, you know, we're in for the long haul here, and it's, it's, it's not going away anytime soon. So that was... One, you know, and, and quite quickly, I I really enjoyed the peace of of it all. Insofar as I like running, 
and I couldn't go boxing. So I, I really sort of made the most of going running. And, and obviously, we was only allowed out wherever it was once a day for a bit of exercise. Yeah. And so, and it was great because I, I, I live in a, in, in a very kind of sort of working class, not, not the nicest of areas. Um, but there's a park near me. And so I'd run to the park, take my dog. Um, and normally, if I'm out walking my dog or if I'm out running, another runner will go a little wave, just a little acknowledgement as you go past. And if you're walking a dog, a lot of times people are just kind of stop and pet your dog and make a bit of like, chit chat, which I love. But what I realized really quickly was these runs were, 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 were lovely because A, there was no, there was hardly any traffic on the road. There was no air, airplanes in the sky. When it all happened, it was beautiful sunshine. And I was like, it felt like the world was resetting in a little in a little bit of a, you know, if I'm trying to put a positive spin on, 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 on what was going on, taking nothing away from the fucking horror of, of what so many people experienced. Um, and it, and all of a sudden, I found that people across the road that were just out having a walk would be like, hello. And I'd be like, oh, hello. And no one says hello to you where I live. People think they're going to rob you. And it was like, <laughs> people were so starved of connection and interaction that you'd stand on the opposite side of the road and, and you'd just be chatting to strangers. And it was lovely. And I just remember like thinking, I hope this doesn't fuck off when we come out of this. And it has. You know, we've, we've yeah. in, in, certainly in the UK, it feels like we just get caught up instantly again with road rage of just, oh, come hurry up, mate, fuck's sake. And the importance of how important your fucking life is and, and, and where you've got to be and what you've got to do. And that kind of pause for thought we had and that yearning for interaction is it's just a distant memory now. And I think that's a real shame. But so that 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 was something I really enjoyed going for a run, and and then the boxing stopped and the club shut, and I run a magazine um, with, with 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 screw this pit um, called the Pod Bible, and it's just a, a a little magazine that goes out inside the Sunday Times, and and thankfully the the newspapers kept printing, so I managed to sustain that side of my business. But one of the things that 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 was a real positive was I had the time to explore the things that I wanted to do and podcasting was something I really wanted to grow. And I'd never done what we're doing now. I'd never had a zoom call and, and all of my podcasts would, would be in a studio in London. I'd arrange for the guests to come down and, you know, I'd have to get, you know, drive into town, then get the train into London and, you know, and it was a full day. And, and for any meetings I had, it was a full day to go to London to have a, an hour long meeting zoom's changed all of that uh and quite quickly from my, the, the the sort of guests i was getting on my music podcast was like because musicians couldn't tour they couldn't you know actors couldn't act and djs couldn't dj so all of a sudden it's like oh you can do you want to interview fat boy slim or do you want to interview the foo fighters or tommy lee and i was like fuck yes like this is incredible and and because they're sitting indoors like me, bored, and they can't go out. And you know, they want to talk about the things that they've been creating in their, you know, in their bedrooms and in their little home studios and stuff. So I was like, amazing. And so I then managed to kind of really get stuck into sort of this kind of way of recording, the way that we are now. And I think so many podcasters will probably never go back to uh, mm. how they did before before lockdown. So that was a real positive, but. I'm getting up and yes, I'm talking to these people, but I am 
ultimately sitting in my shed as I am now talking to a laptop. And I know that we're, we've got eye contact here and we're talking, but it's still different from being in a room with one another and feeling that yeah, ambience yeah. that you get yeah. in a room when you, you, you know, you sit with someone. And then I started to think like, well, hang on a minute. Like, when did I last go out with my friends and like, and, and actually just not do something that was work related and just, and I, and I thought a long, long time, a long, and, and I, and then I just started to kind of think about it more. And I just thought, yeah, I'm lonely. That's really weird. I'm I'm lonely. And I don't mean that in like, hey, I'm a really popular guy. Like, how can I be lonely? But I I don't at all. I, you know, I understand that as you get older, your friendships, you know, your friendship circle may may decrease. But yeah, I just realized that I was really fucking lonely and unhappy. And and yeah, and I and and I found it for the first time ever, Luke, like I didn't want to get up and and that's never happened to me. I'm always like up at like seven, you know, and mm. right, what am I going to do today? What's the plan today? You know, right, go for a run, take the dog out, you know, up, go boxing, come back, get on me your day. And and I just thought, oh, do you know, I just I don't really want to get up. And and it's weird because it's fine to have a lane if you want to have a lane. Like, but it was it was a changing pattern for my behaviour mm. and my and how my mind has always worked. And and so yeah, it just kind of made me ask a lot of questions of myself. And and I think I'm one of them people that thinks that they're got it under control. And and then you know you, you start thinking back and I talk about my eating disorder I, I wasn't having anything under control that was spiraling all over the fucking place and it's like on the face of it it's like yeah yeah but you know it's just two three times a day it's fine you know um and yeah and I just I just realized that like that I needed to do something and literally two weeks ago I I went and rented an office like I've never had my own office and and I went and rented this little office space and I just thought I, I need to I need to develop some some differentiation between home and work. And so I now get up and I go to my office. I'm still sitting in four walls on my own, chatting to people over Zoom. But I have people come in and it's a, it's a sort of, you know, it's a very busy building. So I see lots of people and, you know, have a natter and stuff. And But, yeah, it's something that I'm actively sort of working through now, really. And I think that's definitely come as a result of, the lockdown for for me personally i liked it so like you like you said at the beginning i i liked it because it gave you that simplicity and it gave you that structure so you'd wake up and you think oh i'm not going into the office today i'm just going to go into this room with my laptop and work away and then that then it ends and then i'll just watch tv i might go out for a walk at lunch but i think to some extent it did oversimplify stuff to make us too used to that situation and as soon as stuff changed back I, I was like shit I've lost my structure I've lost kind of like my simpleness of my life um and it's it, it's been hard to adjust back to like normality I think in some respects 100%, 100%. Uh, quite early on in the break in in the lockdown 
whenever that was. There's two kind of lost years, isn't there? But whenever we come out of lockdown for the first time, I went to see my friends that have got a like a, 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 like a clothing business, uh, like do like band merch and stuff. And and I drove like half hour down to South End to see them. Uh, and we had a cup of tea and then I was like, right, I better get going. And I thought, what am I fucking, what am I, I ain't got to be going anywhere. But like, I felt this, this pull to get home. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. I don't need to be home. Like, ahead of lockdown, I would have been out all day, like in meetings and, and recording. And I've literally just popped down the road to have a cup of tea with my friends. And I'm feeling this like, pull to get back need to be back indoors lockdown wasn't a thing then you know it stopped you know we was in a, a hiatus from it and i was like fucking hell like, why am i feeling like why am i making excuses to go home to what sit on my sofa and get my laptop out again and 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 i don't know just do some design work i didn't have an abundance my club was shut i didn't have a, an abundance of work to do and that that freaked me out that that feeling and and i kind of thought that i just thought i'm not i'm gonna make sure i i get back out because sooner or later my club's going to reopen and, and I need to be well you know well ready for that and and I pushed against that but that was that was quite a strange realization that I developed this kind of not agoraphobia I wouldn't I wouldn't dare offend people that have got that but but definitely you know a, a, a draw and desire to all right get back home because it's never been me and so yeah you just I think the fact that the world changed in such a you know huge way, and I think that the knee jerk reactions simmered down, and then you you know we as as creatures we adapt, don't we? And then I think as we've come back out now, we're starting to all see some of the the ways in which we've changed, and the way that you know that that adapting to what we had you know can sometimes be fragmented when you start to find your way back out of it and yeah i definitely think this 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 you know I, I'm, I'm certainly not unique or alone in that way i think there's probably hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are that are, are, are struggling to to do that and i'm and i'm blessed that you know i've not lost any immediate family to to you know over the last couple of years because of this but yeah i mean, I mean the amount of people that must be experiencing that that have also had to go through you know losing losing you know friends and family it's fucking um you know times that by a million you know what i mean it's uh yeah crazy man crazy times crazy times and let's just hope that the rest of this year you know becomes a a more connected and positive and happier uh and uh you know let's use the word normal um place to be again you know let's hope that we can travel and we can hug and party and yeah, do all the things that us as sociable human beings and, you know, we need that connection. And we, I think we've definitely realised that now. Uh, basically, just be us do shit again. <laughs> yeah. 100%, mate, 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's, it has been a weird two years. And it's like, we went to, um, so my wife and I went to um, Rubesh Ranganathan gig the other day. And it's the first thing that we've done since, like, everything's got back to normal, so to speak. And it was like, this is so fucking weird. It's like yeah. we're sitting we're sitting in the Hammersmith watching a comedian do a gig. And there was a, yeah. and Ramesh has this DJ on the side but that plays before and after his shows. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like yeah. 
no, it feels like I've never done this before. <laughs> and it, yeah. it was like, it's, it's such a good feeling when you do finally get to do stuff again. 100%. 100%. One of the things I did discover in lockdown is the Wolf and Owl podcast. Uh, oh, which is, that, that's, that's amazing. That is, it, it's so, it's, it's so raw and honest. <laughs> it's amazing. I, uh, uh, yeah, I've been really lucky that that through Pip we've done we do a thing called a drunk cast where where we, the first time we done it was we we, we done it with um, Romesh and uh, the actor comedian Brett Goldstein who who um, was famous for, for recently for for writing and starring in Ted Lasso uh, and and yeah I, I watched Romesh drink a bottle of crack and rum. Uh, in about 45 minutes and then we had to carry him up the stairs and out the building um uh, and and we've done a couple with with with, with Ramesh and he he's such a funny bastard and and I and I was really lucky that last week I got to interview Tom for off the beaten track um because he was doing some promo for the curse which come out at the, at the weekend um the new comedy drama uh and I just could not wait I was so excited and starstruck to meet Tom Davis. But yeah, and it was so weird. He was saying some things on the podcast and I was like, I, I feel like I can just get stuck straight into this because I've heard him and Rom talk about it on Wolf and Owl. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah for, for those that are, are, are looking for um, other podcasts to supplement, listening to this as well, um, Wolf and Owl, uh, it will just absolutely crack you up. It's, it's my, it's, that's been like, a ray of sunshine uh, in my life that has listened to that just yeah a couple of fellas just taking the piss out of each other and just laughing at how ridiculous their their childhoods and 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 you know attempts to go clubbing and attempts to interest the opposite sex just being incredible i've got a quick fire round that i want to do with you really really quickly yes. so i don't Let's do it. i don't want to take don't want to take loads of your time up but i could literally chat to you for days oh thanks <laughs> Luke, man like likewise man you're really good at this thank you mate and so quick fire round it's literally yeah. just either or so just you just got to pick one so cats or dogs dogs summer or winter summer texting or talking talking day or night night beach holiday or city break beach holiday no <laughs> <laughs> city break what's your city break where would I go? Yeah, yeah. Um, Reykjavik. Okay. Or Berlin. Good choice. I've not been to Reykjavik, but I've been to Berlin. It's, yeah, amazing. Reykjavik, man. Woo! Special. A good book or a good film? Good film. Oasis or Blur? Blur. Cassette or vinyl? Vinyl. And that is it. We are done. <laughs> lovely. Oh, Luke, man, I've had a really lovely time. Um, thank you for letting me just come on your podcast and just bang on about, yeah, the nonsense that I've fumbled and stumbled my way through over the last 48 years. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, don't know why I said beach holiday. And, yeah, and I really don't like texting. Like, and... I've got friends that I do the audio messages on, on WhatsApp. Yeah. And I get yeah. really, really angry. Scroobius Pip gets really fucking angry because he loves a little text. And I'm like, and I ring him up and he'd be like, why are you ringing me? I'm like, well, 
I just want to fucking sort this out. And he's like, you always text me. I was like, I ain't got, I've got time, but I've just got big old fucking fat fingers. And I'm like, can we not just have a conversation? Oh, fucking hell. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not a fan of texting. And, uh, and I like Oasis, but they're, uh, they're not as, um, I don't think they're, I, I think they're like the Rolling Stones Oasis. They write fucking great rock and roll bangers, but I think Blur are like your Bowie. They evolve. I and, mean, you know, we've seen Damon like just evolve and evolve and evolve. And the first thing I've done coming out of lockdown was I, my, my friend's a nurse and she took me to, uh, to the O2 to see the gorillas and uh, oh, wow. uh, for the NHS special thing that they've done. And, yeah, that felt incredible just seeing this live music, and it was like like a kind of carnival of guests and sounds and 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 obviously the visuals and yeah, being in the O2 with all these people just that have been craving connection and music. It's, oh, it's fucking awesome, man. But yeah, oh Luke, man, thanks so much, man. This has been really lovely. I really no, appreciate thank you, you so much for coming on. on. It's Absolute it's been a lovely pleasure. chat, and um, keep in touch because um, it's been yeah. I'll tell you what, you. You're my first guest in this series, okay. and I was I was shitting myself about doing this because I haven't done right. it for about half a year. I've not done it for about oh, half right. a year, so I was like, okay. "Shit! I hope my camera, hope my camera works, hope my mic works, and <laughs> hope it records." I'm hoping it's recorded, but yeah, yeah, mate, you've been an absolute pleasure, and it's been amazing speaking to you. Like, and thanks so much again for opening up because not everybody does, not everybody is bit is that open, and I I bloody appreciate you doing that because it's gonna help a lot of people that's good to talk mate cheers Luke that's all right mate speak to you soon that was episode one of series four of the stress sessions mental health podcast and I just want to say a massive massive thank you to Stu for coming on and just being really really open I didn't realise that he had an eating disorder before I spoke to him on the podcast. So it was really, really great of him just to open up, speak a bit about that and just be really honest about how it was and how he coped. And yeah, it was it was a really interesting chat. And it was I, I love speaking to him about music because I could talk about music for days and days and days. It was yeah, it was that was a lovely, lovely chat and I really enjoyed it. But if anybody has been affected by this chat and wants to kind of reach out for help or find out more information about eating disorders or any other mental illnesses then I've popped a few helpful links in the podcast notes so make sure you check that out and make sure you do not suffer in silence and I just wanted to I've repeated this over every episode that I've ever recorded but I'm no expert I what I talk about is just off my own back I am no professional I just like to discuss these things because I think it's best to talk about mental illnesses rather than just keep it all bottled up but if you do need any help, make sure you do visit those podcast notes. I will make sure that I put those in because they are very, very helpful. And lastly, but not least, make sure you tune into the stress sessions next week when I'll be speaking to a former footballer. And it's it's going to be a great chat. It's going to be fantastic. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you share, make sure you like, make sure you follow Make sure you review. The reviews are important. I don't plug those enough. So if you haven't reviewed the stress sessions before, make sure you give me a review on Google. Don't think you can do it on Spotify. Think you can do it on Deezer, Amazon Music. I don't know which ones you can do it on, but if you can give a review, please give me a review and tell me what you think. 
And yeah, my third finally, said it three times now, have a fantastic week and have a good rest of the day. Speak to you soon.